0: Welcome back to the Valley to Peak Nutrition Podcast. This week, I'm joined by my good buddy, Emery Wenger. Emery is a PCT through hike and death hike veteran. He's logged tons of miles and as such, gained tons of experience on the trail that he's willing to share with us today. This includes things like fueling for multiple 30 mile days while he was on the PCT, How did he increase mileage while doing that many miles every day? Did he just start that high or did he taper those up and try to reduce injury risk? He also talks about what building mental resiliency on the trail during something like that has taught him on other trips and in life. He also talks about a backpacking course that he created, which is basically like taking candy from a baby because I think it's probably the best cost per information ratio that you can get from anything that i've seen on the web in terms of that now his course his podcast his contact information they're all listed in the show notes if you want to check those out or get a hold of him i'd encourage you to do so because again he's just a wealth of knowledge and has innumerable amounts of free helpful resources for people that are interested in backpacking uh, available to use if you're interested in that so we appreciate you joining us this week. Here is Emory and why the best thing that we could focus on is hiking today instead of tomorrow. Welcome back to the Valley to Peak Nutrition Podcast. I am joined by my friend Emery. Uh, Emery does a lot of things. We were chatting before we started about gear reviews that he's done. He's created a backpacking course. He runs a, I don't even want to call it a website because I feel like I'm selling it short by calling it a website, the byland.com is it byland.co Co, yeah yep
1: dot com was taken
0: introduce yourself how do we know each other
1: dude you know i was trying to think about that like i think we met each other after i was on the the hunt backcountry podcast if i recall after my pct hike and then did you reach out after that
0: i did so Uh, i had i think i had been on with mark and them and Valley. I don't even think that valley to peak had really started. I'd reached out to you because I really enjoyed the podcast, and if I remember right, you were on there talking about yeah. miles covered on on you know how you were covering so many miles on the PCT every day. And so I was interested and we chatted. And I mean, of course, now like we've chatted quite a bit and become friends. But more than that, like we're going to talk about the PCT. We're going to talk about nutrition and this like this nutritional epiphany that you had on the PCT and um, just some other things tied to that. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that we connected through Mark and those guys through through the EXO podcast.
1: Yeah, dude, that episode, I I thought it was so hilarious and so humbling that as i am not the world's best hunter uh i followed their podcast for a long time had exchanged emails back and forth with mark and steve i think at some point in time and then when i went on the pct i came back and they were like and mark was like hey do you want to come on the podcast and i was like what like really and we ended up i i thought it was you know never going to happen and then we ended up chatting we i've actually been on a couple times since and it's just been so great to Offer. I didn't come on to talk about hunting. I came on to talk about performance and my experience in hiking the trail and the things that I learned about that. And then because I, I, I try to do my best to adapt things that I've learned to other activities, I try not to be so siloed off. If that makes sense. And some stuff works. Sometimes it translates. Sometimes it doesn't. That's fine. But at least I'm trying. You know. I think that was my perspective on on doing that episode specifically.
0: Well, I would, I mean, I think it's definitely, if that was the goal, I think it was definitely a success because it, it was applicable to anybody who listened, right? Because one of the things that you had covered was your, yes, your time, which covers gear, which is applicable to somebody who's backpacking or even doing day hikes or hunting. Same deal with like covering the extensive amount of miles that you were covering each day on the PCT. And I would love, if you can help me remember, I would love to talk about like your strategy for coming up with some of your key takeaways and coming up with how do I cover because you were covering what, 20, 30 miles a day on some, some occasions.
1: Through Washington. By the time I got to Washington, I didn't think I'd be able to do it, but we did a minimum of 25 a day through Washington, which is a pretty up and down state. It's not crazy, but I don't, it's been a long time since I looked at elevation profile, but I mean, it's a, you're in the Cascade mountains. So you're up and down throughout the whole state Minimum of 25, I think I maxed out. My biggest day was 31. But I was regularly, like I said, minimum 25 through Washington. But I was regularly right around 27, 28.
0: So what is, like, explain a little bit of your background, because I I don't even want to, like, I I know it (laughs) a little bit. And so I kind of want to give this, I have this, I have this really bad habit of wanting to preface statements and questions with, the history before ever giving the person the opportunity to talk about it. So talk a little bit about like your background, how you got interested in hiking at all, what led to the desire to do the PCT. And then maybe we can just chat a little bit about your time on the PCT in terms of covering that amount of mileage, nutrition related stuff, et cetera.
1: Okay. So I left home for the Marine Corps, came back five years later. Uh, I grew up, I, I was never, I was into hunting, but I was never really like, uh, awesome hunter and it was a hobby right i did it in the fall like everyone else some success mostly not and then when i got back i just wanted to get back into hunting and then when i got back into hunting i had a moment the reason why i got back into i i was never into hiking or backpacking i was into hunting uh and this is important because uh one thing leads to the next and you know then i find myself on the pct so i got back was hunting tired of just like the whole experience of not of, of like driving to a spot, getting out of the truck, and hunting it, and having that like road experience. I guess of just not very wild. And and there was one moment specifically I was like, I'm done with this. This is ridiculous. I'm not going to listen to trucks driving by all the time. I wanted something different. So for some reason that meant backpack hunting, and I have no idea why I landed on that. But I think that was just the vehicle for um, getting out getting further from the trailhead. No idea what I was doing. Uh, attempted it a couple times, bought the gear slowly, but surely. And then I went and wasn't successful, but it was a success in that I was hooked. And I was like, Oh, regardless of whether I get something or not, this is awesome. This is a really cool way to do this, to go out, spend the night in the woods, in the spot, wake up and you're hunting. I thought that was neat. Uh, and then And it kind of just like all my backpacking trips from then on out were for hunting. They were all, you do this all the time. I'm sure everyone does. They're like, hey honey, want to go on a hike? And then you're really secretly scouting, right? So can you relate? I'm not
0: going to admit to that (laughs) while recording.
1: So so that's what it was for me. I was like, okay, cool. I need to backpack into these spots to scout. And then some way, like I just was looking at getting better at backpacking. Down the rabbit hole I go, I start looking at different types of gear. I learned about long distance backpackers or through hikers. I remembered a moment back in the day when I was like a teenager bumping into some through hikers on the PCT in the Mount Adams Wilderness here in Washington State. I, and that was an old memory of mine that was very odd. I was like, that's weird. You guys walked from Mexico. That's weird. Um, and then slowly but surely, I just started... I was like, well, maybe I could do a little mini through. I watched a documentary of the, it was um, mile, mile and a half is what it was. I can't remember, but there's a documentary on the John Muir trail and I was hooked. I was like, that's awesome. And the John Muir trails go through, goes through the Sierra range, 200 some, like 210 miles or something. Oh, I'm gonna do that one day. And then it just slowly expands from there, right? Your circle of options and, and interest starts expanding Hunting was still an interest, but then I was hooked on this through hiking thing, got involved with a nonprofit helping vets do through hikes. And then next thing I know, I have an opportunity to hike the PCT itself. And I took the leap and did it in 2017. And it was a gift, man. It was a gift from above, all over all around, to be able to have that opportunity in that place and time, to be able to do that. And the things that I've learned from it learned from the PCT have stuck with me five years later man i mean i i remember it like it was to, like yesterday
0: i've got all sorts of questions based <laughs> on that we may never even get to nutrition so treat these as kind of like let's just treat them as rapid fire yeah. you can elaborate it doesn't matter whatever's I'll up try to you all right fire so responses so first my first question would be um what was your trail name
1: oh man my trail name was Puparazzi.
0: You gotta gotta explain that <laughs> okay
1: so you get these trail names the best ones are ones that are not you don't have any control over and there were a handful of opportunities where uh, a handful of scenarios where a couple of guys i was hiking with were offloading some baggage and i was either things get goofy you start playing jokes on each other in the woods and whether i was throwing pine cones or uh trying to like you know, scare him a little bit while they're offloading some baggage. And then another time, a buddy of mine went off into the woods to drop off some goods. And then I went up the trail and he didn't realize that the trail zigzagged back. And he was like literally two feet off of the trail thinking he was in the middle of nowhere. And he thought that I was just like messing with him. So that happens a couple of times. And the next thing you know, I'm pooper. Catch your name. Yeah, dude. And I hated it for the longest time. And then I was like, whatever, I'll just be pooperazzi. And then it made people laugh and it was funny.
0: So what, what was the biggest, like, as you start diving, I mean, you had some experience in the sense of you'd been backpack hunting, you'd been in the woods, you'd been in the mountains, you'd you'd done some of that, had some prior exposure. So not, not brand new to it necessarily. What was the most intimidating thing about taking on something like PCT or any type of a thru-hike?
1: I hundred percent the duration of it.
0: Like Fear the, of not finishing?
1: No, just the, t- not even, well, yeah, a hundred percent. Like you always, you always have a fear of not finishing. Anything could happen, right? But I think the the daunting part was, uh, that's probably, it's probably 50-50 because you do want to finish. You have no idea. Nothing's a guarantee out there. But the other thing was, I remember for two seasons of hiking, I was helping manage this um organization that was putting veterans on long distance trails and for like five six months they were hiking this trail and i was checking in with them and just giving them support and i would go to bed at night i'd be like oh my gosh they're still on the trail and it's like month one month two month three and i'd be like i'd be going i'd be putting my head on my pillow in my room in a nice climate controlled environment and i would think of them having been in the tent for the next for the last three months, or even up at that point, the longest I'd ever spent in the woods was like maybe a couple of nights, like, and then you go home. Like I never went on week-long backpacking trips or hunting trips. There's always just a couple of nights and then back home maybe. Uh, so the idea of being out there for so long was very daunting to me. But it turns out that it's not. And I've, I've heard other people say that like, oh, I can't believe you're still out there. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not like that when you're there.
0: What was the hardest part about being away from home that long?
1: Being, being away from home that long. That was, I mean, the, the you go through these cycles. So the PCT is 2,600. We'll just call it 2,600 miles even because it changes every year a little bit. Uh, you go through these cycles in hundreds of miles where like, and there's a massive dip around a thousand when you clock over a thousand where you're, you're like, I get it. This is it. This is the trail. I'm good. Like I've done it. I've done this. I, I get, I understand. I get it. And you really have to fight through that, that mental dip. And oftentimes I think a lot of hunters maybe experience that after a couple of days where they're not seeing any game, but like try doing that for like a 100 days straight, you know, the dip is way deeper. And then you come out of it, but the, that valley is really bad. So you go through these, the hardest thing is like going through these cycles of like emotions. It's physically hard, it's emotionally hard. And then you're away from home and you're away from a support system. And a lot of times like, there's not a whole lot in life that you can attribute to yourself and your own effort. Very little, like, I went through. I, you know, you go through Marine Corps boot camp, and that's like daunting as a as an eighteen year old. But then you get on the backside of that, and you are like, oh, well, I had help, and you know, you know, yeah, I did it, but you know, I did, it wasn't all me. Well, well when you are carrying your own backpack up a trail for twenty six hundred miles, supposedly, dude, that's intense. Like the old, no one picks you up if you if you hike the miles. It's a direct input and output.
0: You mentioned a little bit ago you're like there are a number of lessons that i learned over my time out there that i still carry with me five years later and i can imagine this would be really tough to answer just on the spot because i didn't really like i didn't prep you for this at all first thing that comes to mind biggest lesson learned out of the five that you're out of the ones that you're still carrying five years later what does any come to mind as top line
1: uh mental endurance like mental endurance.
0: Yep. 100%. I, f- I figured that would be what you'd said, but I didn't know. Has that, has your experience doing that, building that mental endurance allowed you to push through stuff that you have faced since in the yes. mountains?
1: Yeah. Uh, not even in the mountains, but personally, like in personal life. Yeah. I lost both my parents in two years. Uh, and in the middle of that, I had two kids. And then I lost an uncle. And then my my wife lost a really young brother-in-law in like a two-year time span.
0: So is, there a, is there a, and this is going to be different for everybody. And I don't want to like, I don't want to condense this down to a magic seance word or something. But is there something that you remember telling yourself often on the PCT that in situations like that... So having had lost a parent and having kids at the same time is, um, especially, I mean, we're, we're both pretty, we're both pretty young, you know? So like, you don't really anticipate that you envision like this life of, oh, my dad's going to be a great grandpa. And my kids are going to love him. my dad. and I'm going to get to see that that's going to be great. And you you, that's gone. That's mentally hard. Is there anything that you remember telling yourself on the trail that carried over and helped you through stuff like that?
1: Yeah, early on, and I don't, I I was trying to find this recently, but I, uh I coined a phrase for myself, which was hike today, not tomorrow, like, and to me, that meant hike, because what I was doing is I was, when you're standing on the border of US, the US and Mexico, and you're looking north, you're like, and you try to start and you start hiking, and then you look at your map, and you're like, Oh, I haven't even put a minor dent in this thing. And the, the end of the first night, we went like 15 miles and I had two gigantic blisters on the back of my heels. Uh, and then the following, I was like, that sucks. And then the following day, I, I, because of that, I started walking differently. And then I, I felt like I was getting this like for, and for miles, like it, it stayed with me for a long time, but I started getting this like stress. I thought I broke my foot. I found a stress fracture in my right foot and I was limping like mile an hour or less for a long, I hiked in my Crocs for like four miles on day two. Uh, So it was really intense. And then you're looking at the map and you're like, this sucks. I I have a long ways to go. And this is it. Like, this is what I have to deal with. So after, you know, a week or so, I got this, like, I was like, "I, I need to stop focusing on like what's coming and just focus in on like today. Like, I know that there's more trail, (laughs) I know know there's a lot to get to. But if I if I'm not focused on today, and the hike and the miles that I'm on right now, I'll never get there. Like, because it's too daunting. It's too much. So I had to chunk it down. And not only that, but in my general, up until that point in my, my life, I, I was never very good at being present. I was always like, okay, next year, get through boot camp, get through this deployment, get through this, get through this next hurdle, get through, get a job, get, and so it was always like pushing it down the line instead of being like settling in. And so that hike today, not tomorrow was like a a mantra that I told myself to kind of help focus myself and my energy of like, boom, okay, just hold it in there, focus on today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Stop hiking tomorrow. Hike it today. And that helped me out, you know, it doesn't mean to like blatantly disregard what's coming, but stop focusing so much on it.
0: But it can be tremendously overwhelming. And um, it makes me think of focus on what feels good, right? Because if you're covering tons and tons and tons of miles, it's inevitable that something's not going to feel great. You know, even if you're not doing something like 2,600 miles on the PCT, if you're just covering geez, even if you're covering five with like meat in your pack and during hunting season, you don't feel great. But if you can manage to find what does feel good, like maybe your hips are sore, but your back feels great or whatever, right? You can, if you focus on what's good, it makes it a lot easier to get out. So I love that hike today, not tomorrow.
1: Yeah, dude. And the the, the scale is not, not important, right? Because the feeling is the same. Like if you've never hiked let's say you're out of shape and you're trying to get into shape and you're like, I can't, like for me, you're talking, Oh, you did like 25 miles a day. Dude, forget about the miles. The the feeling was the same at the end of that or through that. Right? So like if you were struggling with three miles, that's the same feeling I was getting early on in the trail at 15 and then the other trail, it was 25 and then like you want to get Emory miserable, make him do 31. Okay. That was the misery town, but it's all scalable, right? Scale up, scale down. The feeling is the same. And that's what's important.
0: Uh, it's great. Cause you're, I mean, we didn't, we didn't talk about this, but you're a death hike vet. You've done the death hike before. And we just did a three part series with all of those guys from the Alaska trip, you know, each part broken in and focusing on something different. But like the synopsis, I think from everyone is you know this one had 23 guys on it i think and you sort of as a well as a newbie anyway you sort of view it as okay we're going to be in a pile of 23 probably broken out over several miles that's not at all what it is it's it's really you are hiking and 23 other guys are also doing the same thing as you it's a very individual thing and so the scale can matter but even within that like it's your own hike right and i think that i found it incredibly encouraging because it really doesn't eliminate anyone from from trying anyone could try with that and talking about the miles making Emery miserable 31 miles what was your strategy to really pile on the miles like what are some everyday tips that you had or that you stuck to rules of thumb that you stuck to to get that many miles in
1: so that the strategy going into it was to slowly build up because I was, you're, look, you're unless you've been hiking a lot, there's no way you can go from no miles to like 20s. That's just impossible. I mean, you could, maybe you're a freak, but uh, good on you if you can do that. But to me, I didn't want to, it was a marathon, right? It was like war of attrition over months on end. So we started with no more than 20 a day for like a month. And we really started with like 15. And you just slowly, and I was was given the advice of like, let your joints and everything strengthen over the course of a month. And then slowly start incrementally building up. So you would kind of do like, we would do like 15, 12 to 15 a day for the first month. And then it was okay, bump up to 18. And you feel that when you bump up by just a couple miles, you can feel it. You're like, man, that last couple miles was rough. And then you go down to 15 and then you're kind of doing this like jump, jump up, jump back down, jump up. It's like, I can't remember what strategy that would be, but you're slowly increasing. And then next thing you know, you're at 20 and you're like, okay, 20 is now the new 15 where 20 sucks. That hurts. And then 25 sucks. Yeah. All right. 20 was terrible. 20 feels good. 25 feels bad. And then there at the end, the guy that I was hiking with, <clears throat> he struggled with like kind of bigger miles. So I think I probably could have gotten, you know, I was, you know, you have a hiking partner. So uh, I would have been curious to see what my body could handle. I think I'd be fine at like 30, 35 after a while, but I never got myself there. I capped out at like 31. And that was, I remember going into that 31 mile, 31st mile and I was like, whoa, this is not fun. But I was also saying that, at mile fifteen on day one, you know what I mean. So, the strategy when I started getting into those bigger miles through Washington, I really you really hit a strategy like a machine. You have the strategy down. It was basically eat, drink and eat. Load up. Like I would break camp. This is my whole routine. I would break camp. I would eat right. Um, maybe right after I broke camp depending on my timing, but I'd try to eat like 15 minutes before I started hiking. And I'd drink some water. I would hike for like an hour and a half, maybe to kind of warm up, get a little more food in me. And then I was on like, at that point, I was on like two hour intervals of like eating and resting. And then I never went, I tried to not go anything longer than two hours without eating and a little bit of rest and some water.
0: So basically you were in the beginning, you were focusing on progressively increasing the mileage over time. So essentially building miles with compounding interest, trying to train your body for that, as opposed to just coming right out of the gate, gung ho 30 miles. Second to that, you, and I, I didn't know this, this is going to make people think that I was like setting you up for what I always talk about, but you basically set up a fueling plan on the trail giving yourself a cap of two hours, making sure you stopped, non-negotiable cap. But beyond that, waking up, eating something, covering X number of miles, watching the clock basically, and at least every 120 minutes, you're stopping to eat.
1: Oh, dude, i, I was my best friend was my watch. Because early on, so early on in the trail, I would be curious to know, I would like to do that same trail over again, knowing what I know now. I would like to see the 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 delta.
0: So let's let's talk about that cuz we I was on your podcast. Mm-hmm. Jeez Louise. How long ago was that? Long time. Probably, Probably shortly time after ago. that. Yeah,
1: long time ago. Might have been 2017, 2018.
0: Yeah, 2018
1: maybe. Early 2018.
0: <laughs> anyway, one of the things that we talked about on there was going and correct me, this is your story here I am guilty no, again. We've of, talked of about it a lot, prefacing you, stuff. you know my
1: story, <laughs> especially my nutrition one.
0: So you start out on the PCT kind of with this idea of focusing on whole foods, trying to eat what most would most people would call it like good, healthy foods
1: Yeah,
0: and it just didn't work. Right. So can you highlight a little bit of that? And then let's talk about what you changed into and your just your, your whole experience with food, nutrition on the PCT, kind of what your initial thoughts were, how that went, how you changed it.
1: So going, I had never done something like this. To me, this was like major performance. And I was kind of going into, I went into the PCT with the food, the idea of food of being like, I didn't wanna just be eating junk food. I knew I would be eating junk food, <clears throat> but I tried to mix in like nuts and peanut butter and like, uh, it was mostly carbs, but protein. I feel like the big thing was protein, like vegetables and things like that, that's just not gonna happen. Like, it was, wasn't, I wasn't gonna carry an avocado with me, even though I did see people doing that. In uh, apples, fresh fruit, not gonna happen. So to me, it was like, it was almost protein. F- I want to say it was like protein. For some reason, protein made sense to me. Like, oh, you got to eat protein on your long hike. And the food just wasn't jiving with me. I don't recall exactly what I was eating early on. It was like peanut butter wraps and things like that. Uh, And then uh, like a Snickers bar maybe. But I noticed eventually, like I just just was like lethargic. And then as I, anytime that I ate like a Pop-Tart, I felt better. Like I felt lighter. I was, I was bonking a lot in the early days. Like I even had one moment where I'd just taken a break to eat. And then like 30 minutes later, I'm like drunk. Like I was just drunk on the trail. I was like, I can't get up this hill. It was hot, but I just ate. I had to stop. I ate a pop tart. And then I was right as rain, like 15 minutes later. And I cruised on the rest of the day. So Eventually, I even have a journal entry from, uh, I think I was 500 miles in and I did like a 500 mile like synopsis. I did the things that I've learned. And one of the things that I learned, it's a hilarious quote because was I've learned that I can eat, I can live on donuts all day. For me, my body, just with the pastries was like, I could just eat them all day long and it would fuel me. I never felt bad. And so through once I dialed that in, once I started figuring out what my body was like liking and not liking, like peanut butter, I can't do it. Like for some reason, a lot of people love peanut butter. I knew a guy that kept a jar of peanut butter on him and just spoonfuls. I can't do it. Chocolate, I not a big not a big one for me, but it's like pastries for some reason were the thing for me that got me pastries and then I would do like maybe a salami. I used to have a, a lunch of salami, easy cheese, and a tortilla, and it was amazing. That was my lunch. So the my diet eventually went from this like haphazard, let me try this, let me try that, let me try the protein bar, you know, the protein bar situation, like here's an energy bar. Yeah, right. I felt like a freaking sack of potatoes if I ate an energy, a quote unquote protein energy bar or like a granola. I can't do granola. And that's what you have. Like, that's usually what's suggested, at least at that point in time, was here's a protein bar, here's a granola bar, here's some jerky, or I don't know what else is there that with like a standard hiker meal. Um, and Typically the, they, like,
0: yeah, like cliff bars, here's some jerky, bars. here's oh, some, yeah. yeah. Yep.
1: And that just was too heavy for me.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of, we've talked about this agnosium on here as well as you and I separately, but like there's so many problems with that primary one being the very thing that fuels the muscle isn't included in that menu at all. And I remember you saying like, if I remember right, you wound up in a, in a, um, a town where you were planning to get a restock, like you were get you'd had a box shipped to you and you were going to restock on all of your supplies and keep going down the trail and for some reason, you grabbed, if I remember right, a bunch of Oreos, and just felt and that had an incredible, an incredible day on the trail.
1: Yeah. Uh, so leading up to that, a buddy of mine that I bumped on the trail, I was like, "Hey, he he was experienced through hiking." I was like, "Hey, what's your what's your food? What's in your food bag?" And he goes, "Caffeine, doub- electrolytes, and double stuffed Oreos." And so through Washington, I literally every week every stop i would get a package of double stuffed oreos to myself put them in little baggies and i would eat two or three every time i took a break along with you know and i would sprinkle some like chips in my mouth and like or some cheetos uh just to like change it up a little bit water caffeine like mio caffeine stuff a little bit of electrolytes uh for during lunch and <laughs> <Oreo, laughs> double stuffed oreos fueled me all, all the way through Washington. And that's the state that I felt the absolute best in. How hilarious is that?
0: The I think one of the most like interesting topics that have, since, since I started doing this, that has come across is you get a lot of people hear stuff like that. And they usually have two questions. One, how healthy is that? And when they say that, I think they're wondering and like, is that going to cause any sort of disease, meaning heart disease? Right. Is that yeah. going to cause someone to be a diabetic, et cetera? That was my and then, concern. And then the second one is, well, what about, and this is a big bud, a buzzword, so I'm, I'm using this in the sense of like the way we culturally understand it as opposed to it being factual. How, what's that going to do by way of inflammation in the body?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And on the podcast that you and I had done um, I remember this specifically because the study had just come out where they evaluated that they looked at what does exposure to these type of foods in athletes do. And the, the general consensus, the long and short of it was because the body is so active, what we usually tie to those foods as being problematic is basically null. Now, If you were going to be a mountain man or mountain woman and basically live off of the grid the rest of your life and plan to fuel yourself off of that, it does run into problems because those foods are largely devoid of nutrients, vitamins, and minerals, and that can cause problems long-term. But when you've got someone on the trail for a couple of months covering 2,600 miles, not as big of a concern, you could make the argument for like a daily multivitamin. but for a lot of other people most of the people who listen you're on the trail anywhere as little as an overnighter to as much as maybe 14 days during some big hunt somewhere you know like if you're going out somewhere really rural negligible yeah which is why you know repeatedly like we have that conversation of okay well what should i take on my hikes take pop tarts take gummy bears things that are easy on the gut to handle and uh and i think we've had conversations in the past too about like. What if I can't eat? What am I supposed to do then? Because I've felt that before. And, and you know, h- how to remedy that. So, yeah, I, I thought that that was great whenever we chatted about that on your podcast. And I'll link that show in the show notes so if people are interested, they can go back and look at it because that's probably deep in the archives by now.
1: Well, and also it's really key that you have food in your food bag that you want to eat. I mean, I was the biggest sinner in that regard where I would put food in my food bag and I get to the next town. I would have, I remember early on in the trail, I had food in my bag and this happened even before that I never touched. And I would have it in there. I'm like, I should probably keep this, you know, protein bar, cliff bar in here. And I'll keep it in there for like, it would be in there for like a month. And I'm like, okay, I'm clearly not wanting this thing. Why is it in here? What then can I put in my food bag? Because to me, I was like, that's calories and energy i'm not consuming that's just sitting there hanging out in my bag that i don't want to eat so what then can i replace that with that i do want to eat
0: and i think and i think like and correct me if i'm wrong or if you got another thought some of that's just going to come by way of of experience and trial and error and like one of the yeah, one of the big big things so Excuse me. I've talked before about um, the work that Rowan and I do together, and consulting with a lot of the folks that he works with. Always preaching. Look, while you're training in the months leading up to whatever this big hike, because almost everybody's either preparing for something like the PCT or heading to Everest Base Camp, something that's going to like take them a little while to to nip away at. Always saying, listen, when you're on these big training hikes, try as many different options as you think you're going to want to take on the trail as possible, because you're going to find out really fast. A, if it works and sits well with you or not, but B, does it taste good after you've been, you know, after you're 21 miles and eight hours into a hike in the middle of July, there's not a lot that's going to sound real tasty to you then. And a lot of times, like one of the things that we'll do, and this was, this was, uh, this was kind of an across the board suggestion on the death hike like definitely for me drinking as much of that stuff from like a Gatorade as possible cuz it's just easy it's it's you know it's multi-purpose in in the sense of it's hydrating It's easy to get down. It's easy to digest. It almost always sounds good or at least better than food. Like, man, you try to throw some jerky in after you've put 20 miles down and you're hot and sweaty. Like the last thing I wanted was a big Slim Jim or something like that. So yeah, I think, I think, I think a lot of figuring out, is this just going to sit here forever or am I going to eat? This comes by way of experimenting and experience like time.
1: Yeah. It's funny. There was foods that sounded better in the morning than they did in the afternoon. And yeah. peanut butter has just never been something like I keep mentioning peanut butter because I'm like I have tried it over and over and over again. I want to use it because a lot of people swear by it. That's just not my thing. I it's the last thing I want to eat.
0: And so, good segue into this. Your you have years i mean even of 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 time on the pct adventures since then you're regularly doing stuff in washington because you and i still keep up with each other for the most part on social media we touch base through text sometimes you've built a load of experience and with that experience you have created byland.co which is your which is your website that's underselling it for a lot of reasons, right? So it is really like, and this is me talking and you can clarify what it is. But to me, it's like a hub for all things backpacking. You've got gear reviews, you've got videos, you've got free downloads, you've got discount codes for products on there. You've got free resources. You've got a course that you sell, which I jumped on there. I was like, oh, I want to, you know, see what he's been up to because you and I have been talking about that before it has ever recorded $37 for basically eliminating everyone's questions. That's maybe brand new to backpacking. Can you talk about dot Co. the evolutions that it's gone through, what it is now, what it is to you, what it's designed to do and how people can find it.
1: You know, it's funny. I, I'm terrible at describing it because I feel like it's like trying to describe myself. Uh, I feel like by land is a reflection of who I am. I try to have that be the case. It started as me sharing my journey and the things that I've learned and that has adapted over the years. It's changed. Initially it was hunting, then it's through hiking. And now when I have kids, now I'm probably going to start doing more family stuff. And that's where the podcast grew from. That's where the YouTube channel grew from. Everything's rooted in this uh, by land idea and And the whole thing to me is like, I think I even have it on the homepage now of like education, adventure, and community, like connecting with people to just try to like, whether you're encouraging with each other, you're encouraging each other or like learning from one another, um, or just trying to, yeah, ask questions to get answers um, or learning skills or just and then going out and doing it, and it doesn't even matter what you're doing. I have honed in on backpacking, but there's also other things that I do that I haven't honed, that I have kind of strayed away from that I want to start incorporating into uh, by land because me I'm not just a backpacker. I'm not just a hunter. I'm not I I'm now a dad. I'm all of these things. I enjoy a lot of different stuff. So to me, it's almost becoming this outdoor, this outdoor, like, how do you approach the outdoors? And here's the things that I know it may, hopefully you can learn from them. And so that's my approach to buy land. And then the course, yeah, I had the course set as a, at a much higher price point because I wanted it to be higher. But the more I started thinking about it, I was like, this is silly. Like what I care most about is people getting off to the right foot and people that are just getting into backpacking, or maybe they've been in it for a while and they're just still doing all that research, like gear's expensive. I didn't want the course to be this um, financial hurdle for people. And so I was like, screw it. I'll just like drop the price and, and help people out a little bit.
0: Well, And you most certainly did that because like, I, like I'm looking at the syllabus right now and, you basically have it broken down into eight different modules in my opinion there's so much information in each module that you could definitely justify for a higher expense but it does just i mean it's just a testament to who you are and the fact that like knowing you personally i know you genuinely care about helping people go do things that you enjoy doing too so if people were interested in finding the in finding you or the podcast or the backpacking course or anything else, where would they find it?
1: Uh then go to byland.co or the course is under learnhowtobackpack.com. So if you type in learn how to backpack, it should pop up. If you type in byland into Google, uh two words byland, you should be able to find me easy.
0: And I'll link um in the show notes, like I'll I'll link the course. But I'll link it straight. To, I'll I'll link the course in general, like the the homepage as well as the syllabus, the table of contents, because I feel like, I mean, I've fortunate that I've been able to do a, quite a few pretty cool things living where I live and being able to get out as much as I have. There's topics in here. I'm like, maybe I don't know something about that, <laughs> right? Like maybe he knows. Maybe like there's a tip or trick that I don't know. And for thirty seven dollars to get all of these, I can I can't imagine it me leaving like oh man should have bummed that and i'll also insert this too because we talked about this before we press pause like you've done a number of gear reviews over the years and the quality of the gear reviews are extremely high knowing that i can only imagine this is the same because i've seen some of the episodes so i would yeah i'd, I'd highly recommend it and um, I'll link it in case people want to check it out.
1: Well, dude, you're, you're one module. You're one of the lessons I had to well, have, I am, but <laughs> I, I, need, I need to have like professional. I didn't, when you start talking about nutrition and performance, I remember when I was writing it, I was like, I could either choose not to include this in there. Cause I'm not, I don't want to talk about things. I don't know and understand. And then when I reached out to you, I was like, Hey, do you want to kind of do a blip about this? And it was amazing. And I just, I just deliver the information.
0: And I know you did that for a few different things. And full disclosure, I have not and do not get a single penny from this and don't want a single penny from this. It's truly just, I feel like that helpful, especially for someone who's brand new to the world of backpacking because, you, yes, you could go down the rabbit hole of YouTube. You could go down the rabbit hole of of blogs. But like the value of hiring a coach or getting a course or anything – in a particular area that you care about is it eliminates so many questions, which ultimately saves you so much time. And at the end of the day, I feel like that's what everyone wants. They like Almost everyone that I've met, at least, even in the nutrition world, their work ethic is high. They're willing to invest the work, but there's so much information out there about nutrition. They don't want to waste a year and a half trying nine different things, right? Like they want someone who's been experienced in a certain area to say, look... Here's your potential options. you can't fail with any of these. What questions do you have? Let's pick an option and go forward together. And I feel like this does this great in terms of, of, of backpacking.
1: Well, and let me just clarify, it is not learn how to backpack like Emery. like that there's not a like Emery in there. It's I did the research, I had the experience, and I designed the course to be this is back these are the core foundational principles of backpacking that you then choose your own adventure from. I don't just talk about through hiking. I don't just talk about hunting. It's backpacking is backpacking at its core. Here's the fundamentals of it. Here's how everything works together. Here's how your backpack works. Here's how the nutrition piece works. Here's how materials worked. And the whole idea behind it, the very one of the first videos in the whole thing is, Hey, you need to get clear about the type of backpacking that you want to do one day. Because if you're not, and it's okay if you're not, but if you don't start working on that, you're going to go down a rabbit hole of someone else's suggestion that's not going to work for you, and you're going to find yourself months down the road and hundreds of dollars of gear in the hole with something that's that you don't want to be a part of. So, like, if you if like well, if you watch a bunch of thru hiking videos and you buy thru hiking gear, but you don't thru hike, you don't like that, then you're just wasting your time and your money. So that's why I kind of go like, hey, let's let's start forming this version of hike, of backpacking that you wanna do. And by the way, here's all of the pieces how to make that vision come true. And by the time you walk away from the course, you should be able to go procure the right gear and approach backpacking in a way that works best for you to have a good time because that's what we're <laughs> supposed to be doing.
0: I mean, it's it, the thing that I like about it the most is well, one of the things that's been maybe the um, that I've really had to change how I view things in the world of nutrition from when I first started is my assumptions of what people know for the basics. I assumed oh, most everyone kind of knows the basics. That's not true, and like the court the course here is great because it talks about stuff like how do you layer? How do you layer clothes? How do you set up a shelter? What's the difference between a you know a a a uh a two wall shelter and a, and a one one uh, one wall shelter what's the difference between quilts backpacks and an r value for a pad we disagree on quilts but that's another topic what's <laughs> like in a prime example of this is like i'm i haven't been hunting that long i didn't grow up hunting no exposure to it at all right and so you would think like oh well you know you go you go find uh, a mentor or you go out in the woods and you gain it through experience you know this is me raising my hand no one can see uh you know how, how do you sight in a rifle like you're way back at square yeah. one Like right? yeah. i've never even shot a rifle like how do i know i hear people say your scope should be at zero how do i do that Well, you go out and you test it at 10 yards 25 yards 100 yards 100 feet do i go to the woods where do you go shoot at i mean it's simple stuff like that that like yeah. And like, when I'm looking at the syllabus, you're a hundred percent right. You defined it. Well, this is not a, how to backpack like Emory, how to put on the miles, how to eat like Emory it's here is a bunch of really, really good information to help you make your decisions on what you want to do and go forward from there with confidence. I think it's great.
1: Yep. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm proud of it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of it. Um, and yeah, man, I just want to help people out.
0: Emery, it's always good, man. I appreciate you joining me and uh, I'm excited for for folks to get this and I will link everything I mentioned. You'd already said that everybody can find you at byland.co, whether it's all the social media channels, your podcast is the same, your website is the same, or you can go to learn to back how to learn how to backpack.com. Any parting words?
1: No man, thanks for having me. Dude. It's an honor. I'm I'm humbled to be on here.
0: It's my pleasure. It's long overdue. It was good to have you.
1: Thanks, buddy.